Hey everyone, Con Artists here. We're all here together to talk about our rolling review choice for the fall of 2022. All four of us are in attendance. So there's me, Sue, Scott. Hello. Dan. Hey there. And Brendan. Hello. Alrighty, so our rolling review choice was Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch of Mercury. Dan, tell us a little bit about the show. So, uh, The Witch from Mercury is a alternate universe from the any of the mainline Gundam uh, universes that we've seen, and I think it's the first new one since Iron-Blooded Orphans, which was, what, like five years ago? How long was that? It has been quite a while. Yeah. Wow, that long ago it, already. <laughs> seriously, yeah. So it's the first new, like, mainline Gundam series since then, and uh, it's also the first full series with a female protagonist, a uh, key female protagonist, I should say. Um, and so the basic premise is we're in, you know, the Gundam future, so a vague amount of time ahead of our current day. Uh, and humanity has expanded into space, but there's a lot of problems with that. Humans aren't meant to survive in space. It's hostile to everything we live for. And so there's a push from a group of scientists and engineers to create a system that will ha help uh, humanity through like cybernetics and various other uh, enhancements survive better in space. But there's also a lot of pushback against this because Gundams, this particular type of mobile suit, uh, are, you know, used as weapons uh, in these various corporate conflicts and small wars across, uh, across Earth and elsewhere. And Gundams in particular have this thing where they require people to interface with them in such a way that it slowly kills the person who's piloting them most of the time and people will start burning out. And for some reason, this causes the Earth government to be like, our, you know, 17-meter-tall killing killing machines must be ethical and not murder their own pilots. What about all the other people they murder? Well, they don't matter. That's the point of weapons, isn't it? <laughs> so they send a bunch of folks to eliminate this project that the main character's mother is working on, uh, and... After that kickoff, uh, she, you know, she grows up a bit and ends up at the school with a bunch of the children of the various, like, wealthy and powerful business folks that run this anti-Gundam uh, task force, as well as most of the weapons manufacturers of this, you know, future Earth and uh, solar system enterprise, whatever you want to call it. I think it's called the Benerit Group. And it's right, all about right. her interacting with those ver the various scions of those families, getting into these honor duels at the school. It's very heavily influenced by Utna. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, and then as things progress, it becomes clear that this is about more than just what's going on at the school and that these various companies are, you know, planning for the next stage of, you know, weapons manufacturing and the upcoming conflict between uh, the people of Earth and the Spacians. Totally not Xeon, folks. They're completely different this time. Um, but uh, yeah, it's all exploring uh, that through the mainly through the perspective of Soleta Mercury, our main character, and uh, her friend slash potential love interest, uh, Miorine, who is the daughter of one of these business bigwigs. Well, the big wig. The business big The biggest wig. Yes. <laughs> he's most. He's more of a beard dude, really. Well, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's where we. Uh, that's where we start, or that's the overall setup of the show. Apologies for going a little long, but it's a fairly complicated. Well, it's both a very complicated plot and one that takes quite a while to really get its feet under it. Uh, but one thing to mention right from the get-go is that episode zero is not like a little preview or something that gives you just like a little bit of extra background. It is absolutely essential to understanding the rest of the series. So if you're considering the show after we talk about it, absolutely do not skip episode zero or come back to it later. It is 100% necessary for the get from the get-go. Yeah, no, I skipped episode zero and I still haven't seen it. Uh, so I, and I hated this show. So we'll see if that made <laughs> a difference as we talk here. Sure.
So I guess what do we want to talk about first? Things that we liked or things that we didn't? Where do you want to start? I'd say we go with things we like. Start on a start on a more positive note. Start on a positive note. Um, honestly, the show looks great. Right. Oh, like, yeah. Yes, it does. They're, yeah, they're, it they're, looks beautiful. They're pouring the money in. Uh, the characters look good. The mechs look great. Uh, it's got a really catchy opening theme. Uh, decent ending theme too. Uh, what else did people like? I mean, I'd say that the fights, while some of the logistics behind them were not exactly great, uh, I think that the fights were generally very well animated, high energy. Mm. I mean, in a lot of ways, they you know they they bring up the feeling of a lot of previous Gundam uh, fights when they're you know this combination of like intense speed and power with these you know building sized robots. Um, I feel like sometimes the sense of scale gets a little bit lost because they're more often than not fighting in these big, like unpopulated arenas. But when they, you know, actually interact with the environment, it can be pretty cool. Some of the uh, Gundams and other mobile suits that we see, I really like the visual designs. They're kind of bringing back some of the, I don't know, some of the, they, they go with a more smoother lines and some somewhat, I won't want to say organic look, but, you know, bordering on a bit more insect-like for some of them. So the mobile suit designs, I think, are really great uh, in general. And there's a lot of, uh, just again, like you said, visual design elements that are really well handled. Um, the the way that they consider living in space uh, in Gundam series is almost always well realized with like those those handles and pulleys that allow you to uh, move between different segments of the ship, whether you're in gravity or not, are really neat. Um, people wearing spacesuits whenever they're on a ship, just in case something bad happens. Those sorts of things, I think, are really well handled. But you can find those in a lot of Gundam series. This is just keeping up the tradition. That's interesting. Mm. I wasn't, like, totally into the mech designs. Like I liked uh, the aerial looks looks quite good. I like I agree with Dan. There's a lot of insect themes going on, like especially with House Jeturk. I think they really look like rhinoceros beetles. You know, they have that kind of theme. Uh, I liked. I don't know what they're called, but they they almost have bat like helmets. I know one of them was called Big Ear Bow because I looked it up. That's this like purple and pink and white one that has a very distinct bat-like face I thought looked cool but there was also ones in the last two episodes that had bat-like heads which I thought looked kind of neat uh Michalis, one of them was called has like a star-shaped face I thought that one looked really cool but on the whole I, I wasn't that into the mech designs I feel like a lot of them looked heavy and impractical or or like aerial like okay we're gonna make the first female pilot so we've got to make sure that she has like a waist the size of a dime like if you look it's like it's like a hourglass figure to the extreme right there's like the upper triangle on top the lower triangle on the bottom and like her legs are a little impractical there are too many folding plates on it there's something a little odd it's a bit it. it's a bit busy like i like ariel's overall silhouette but i do agree yeah. that there's yeah. elements to it that are a little bit wonky i think like because you look at different Gundam designs throughout the ages, and there are, you know, there are some that are very, like, blocky and chunky. You look at the ones from, like, 8th MS team, you know, all all right angles and, like, hard lines because it's meant to, you know, emphasize the, you know, sort of industrial military nature of the thing. But then you look at the ones from things like Gundam Wing, which I think is probably the I closest. I love Gundam Wing's design, yeah. In, so, in some ways, I think it's probably the closest to uh, this one that I've seen in a while. I can't really compare it to, like, Iron-Blooded Orphans, but they hired a number of designers that tended to give the Gundams, a, not all of them, but some of them more, and I'm using this term very loosely, more feminine features uh, slimmer waists, different proportions, uh, and you just see that sort of exaggerated in Ariel, which I think was an interesting choice, and I understand why they made it, but I don't think that all of those decisions were necessarily the right ones. Um, just to jump back, another thing I thought of that I really enjoyed was how the uh, the bigwigs at all of these uh, companies, these various organizations that make up this one massive uh, conglomerate are basically treated as, you know, futuristic aristocracy. Nobody says it. Everything's, everything's couched very much in business speak about, you know, being loyal to the group or loyal to the uh, company 
and you know pushing for profits and 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 uh, stakeholder uh, needs above all else and all of these kinds of things, uh, advancement and you know all of that sort of thing. But all of these people have their children in these same schools. They're like trying to maneuver between each other and try to get like advantageous marriages or partnerships or all of these other things and it's assumed that their children will inherit the uh the title and the position from them so whether that person or whether that child is necessarily living up to those expectations can be a big uh factor in their relationship and it more or less casts these business people as a new sort of corporo aristocracy and that again sort of reminded me a lot of Gundam Wing and how um Oz is handled as sort of like, it's not necessarily a military in and of itself at first, it's a weapons dealer. They're the ones who are providing all of these weapons to these different governments and eventually to reveal that they have their own forces that can, you know, take on pretty much everyone else. But all of their leadership is, you know, these like aristocrats and have this very traditional Western, like this exaggerated Western uh, uh, aristocratic look to them which makes them immediately distinct. And while these ones don't go for that same look, it's the same It's the same philosophy that these people are better than everyone else, not necessarily because of breeding, because they have money. And now that sort of breeding and mannerisms is sort of coming back into fashion because these people have, div have divorced themselves so completely from the rest of humanity. Yeah, like wait, when you say exaggerated aristocracy, like Trace Kushranada, the poster <laughs> child. Uh phrase was great uh yeah no i i'm with dan in that i do like the way that the school functions as this microcosm of you know the aristocracy of the spacians versus like the the downtrodden war orphans most of the time that are the earthians so i think that started out pretty good uh, and then kind of topples over later but i do think that that was a pretty neat base to start from i'll also give like a slight nod to diversity like they have different body shapes and skin colors going on That's in the show which i do want to make a shout out to mm -hmm. and a lot so more uh, cool. and a lot more women than uh, you typically see in gundam whereas like the majority of the principal characters are actually women in this case right yeah yeah, there's yeah, plenty of there's plenty of dudes too it's not all one-sided but like both uh both on the hero and villain side there's uh there's quite a lot of you know i guess more diverse representation than we've seen in most gundams up until this stage yeah i'll also steal you know something dan said because i was in agreement like i think the outfits are pretty practical like for the school i think that was a nice change you know normally i'm used to things like this looking a little silly but for the most part i think everyone's outfits looked pretty practical and well well thought out Let's they did look comfortable they can change color oh yeah and they can weird. change color surprised they didn't bring that, yeah, that up happened more. that happened once <laughs> it's true yeah i was like you're the holder do like color change you have some kind of some kind of advanced like you know digital fabric or something when uh that is like does everyone get that and you're just the fancy pants one or does nobody get that? Like, why aren't we seeing like all of these, uh, all of these space aristocrats running around in like constant color shifting fabrics and other stuff. It seems like a bit of a missed opportunity there to very, yeah, because they're not like, why would you even design them to be able to do this? Eh. In just the off chance that you happen to defeat the current holder in a duel in one of our many nods to Utena. Just give <laughs> them a the new holder suit. button. <laughs> holder button <laughs> oh jeez. so i guess that's probably a good um, did anyone else have any positives they wanted to go over no i guess the only other item i had was i like the base concept of there being a school that teaches various fields of study that pertain to mecca like management or repair and piloting, or navigation and ground crew. Like, that's actually a neat concept that we've never explored in Gundam. Like, yes, those jobs exist and all that good stuff, but, like, you don't ever think about the back end of kids getting trained in that kind of stuff. A lot of time with Gundam, your main characters are already, like, pilots or part of a space crew or whatever it is so getting that 
that background of there being a school that actually teaches these skills like forms a nice base true and most of the most of the kids in Gundam shows tend to get thrust into the pilot seat at a very young age for you know tragic reasons that are kind of beyond their control so the training is real on the job most of the time it is nice to take a step back and see like in a world where our main character isn't necessarily you know pushed into it by a conflict right off the top uh, that they actually have time to learn how to do all of these things and how a lot of those support jobs work because that is that is where I find a lot of the interest in mecha shows that is overlooked more often than not is how does something this big keep operating? What kind of a crew does it take to make it perform optimally? And they do touch on that, which is nice. True but facts. I suppose but I suppose we do have to start talking about some of the negatives. Uh, Scott, why don't you take us off with that? Because I've I've rambled a bit too much on the positives. I want to see what you think. And you have probably the harshest view of the show from what I can understand. That's true. I don't, I don't like the show that much. Uh, I guess I'll start off with probably the biggest point, which is I don't like the main character, which, you know, is a problem for any show. Bit of a ding uh, there, yeah. Yeah, like, so Soleta starts off like very painfully awkward like i haven't seen a character stutter this much in a very long time and it like it it just she just keeps doing it she improves very little over the course of the show and i understand this is a longer show than this core but like even by i don't know like the second to last episode or something she's still like oh nobody likes me like like someone ate the last chicken bite and now I'm going to be sad about it and hide in the bathroom for like the episode. And it's like, are you serious with this? So I don't know. I, I really couldn't stand her, which is too bad because she is the first like main female protagonist in a Gundam show. And she is also competent at piloting her mech. Although there is like some weirdness there where she's actually terrible at piloting mechs unless it's the aerial. So like even there, like, we don't really get the sense that she could stand on her own if she had to pilot a different mech. Uh, a different complaint we can maybe get to later. Um, but yeah, I think that's my my sort of big, big one. Uh, I'll agree with that of, one. Of, of Soletta before we move yeah, on. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that one. It is like, I understand her awkwardness based on her background and, you know, how she was raised because there's a whole kettle of fish behind that. But yep. it really comes down to the her, the stammering, the awkwardness. It feels so forced that, like, it becomes distracting. And again, it doesn't either improve or change or get accepted by people in a way that makes it feel more endearing or at least more understandable. It just keeps going and it just stays really obnoxious, which is really upsetting because I like so much. I like many of the other members of the cast. It's just that the focus is so heavily on Saleta that it makes it hard to pay attention whenever she's on board because it's like, ah, oh, we're going to have to deal with this again. Right. Like, can we like it's one of those things where if a different character has the most interesting story, why isn't the plot about them? Why isn't the plot about Choo Choo? Yes. Why isn't the plot about Choo Choo or Nika? Because I'm this all show, in for oh, Nika's or Nika, story. Absolutely. This show could be about either one of them. And Soleta could be the background character, okay? Or Mirine. I actually liked her a lot, even if she could be a little bit grating sometimes. At least I understood where her frustrations and hostility came from. And she yes. was also proactive. She didn't just react to the situation around her. She took matters into her own hands. When it looked like someone was cheating during one of the duels, she grabbed a mobile pod and went out to find who was dealing with, who <laughs> was doing that and dealt with the problem. When, you know, good. yeah, at the very beginning, when we're introduced to her, she's trying to escape from the school because she despises her father and doesn't want to be stuck doing what he wants. So she is, again, she is proactive. She is energetic. She has things she wants to do. And when called on her privilege, she actually acknowledges it, albeit, you know, somewhat belatedly. So she would have also been an excellent main character. But no, it has to be the one piloting the Gundam, and the one piloting the Gundam is a stuttering mess. Yeah, she's definitely yeah, a, a weak-willed disaster. Um, 
it's tough. What else is there? Uh, I guess like the, the mech school setting, like I do appreciate what you brought up, Sue. Like there's, you know, we, we, we see where all these characters who learn important mech skills are coming from. And that is a good thing. Uh, but like, I guess on a larger scale, I just don't, I don't know, understand why the show is set at mech school. Like mech school is good. Why is the show set there? Like we have when this so much of the uh, story is happening outside of it. Yeah. All the story happens other places. Like I think they only do one, maybe two class exercises over the course of the entire show. Like there's a sequence where she tries, you know, Soleta tries to pilot a mech that isn't aerial and does like someone is screwed with it. So she can't do a good job. And like, that might've been it. Like the rest of the show is just like, it's a, it's a place for people duel. Uh, and so like, maybe there could have been a way to do that without needing to be at mech school. Like it just, it I mean, didn't make it's where people are when they're 17 years old, I guess. Like that's true. But like, it feels like we constructed it so that those people could be there. And like, I don't know, it feels sort of contrived. And like, I really hope that the show outgrows it rapidly. Like, season two or core two or whatever it's going to be. I really hope they don't go back to school. Like I feel they're going to because there's like unresolved plot threads there, but I don't know like why you'd go back there. Like every time something weird happens in the plot, ah, I'm going to stop you from forming your company because student council rules. What you like, you have million dollar investors. You have a whole company you're going to form. You're going to like change the technological face of the galaxy and you're going to let school rules get in the way? Just drop out. Just go form your company. Like, the school just seems to get in the way for weird reasons of, like, having stuff get done. The rules are made up and the stakes don't matter. Uh, you called that out in one of your uh, reviews, I remember, when it came to how the duels are handled. Like, Oh, my God. Whether, the dueling system. Are they one-on-one? -on -one? Are they agreed upon as teams? Is it... And I feel like this is... That inconsistency is... I feel like we've talked about it already. This show wanted to draw out elements from Utna, and it's not shy about that comparison whatsoever. Gundam Utna is also a premise I would totally be on board for, but there are a couple of problems with this. One, it grabs a lot of elements from it without understanding how they work in the original show, I feel. Uh, the school setting is a main one because that, one, that show was all about, you know, growing up and... Um, evolving as a person coming into your own in terms of, you know, physicality, emotionally, sexually, all of those things were involved. It was about adolescence and the, in moving beyond it. This show is about giant robots and capitalism. It's it. I'm not saying you can't do that <laughs> in a school setting, but like it may not be the best place for it. Or if it is, you have to structure your show very differently. It seems like it's almost trying to get past the school stuff so fast that it's not thinking about it. And I think that it will be borne out in the future. I don't think they're going to go back to school personally. Uh, maybe really? I'm all wrong, right. but we'll see. Well, what will um, they I do with Ellen then? We will we'll What's find that? out. Um, what was that, uh, Brendan? Oh, what will they do with Elon then? He's got a whole like new dude. Oh yeah. <laughs> right, there's Elon, there's like the girl in the student council that keeps making fun of everyone but hasn't engaged yet. Like I feel like mm -hmm. those characters, there are definitely characters probably Yeah, like haven't had things happen yet. But like so only from a meta sense do I think they're gonna go back to sure. the school. There's no good reason plot wise for them to go back to the school. I, I think that they will. I think that those people will probably be pressed into service in some way or another. So I'm sure that we'll encounter them again. But I don't feel like going back to the school. If it happens, it will probably be brief because the the stakes have increased and we are kind of past that now. Right. Um, but other things, it's like they're dragging in things from uh, they're dragging things from you know not just like the focus on same sex relationships and other things, which you know fine, it's not bad. Handled all right in here, albeit awkwardly, but that's only because of Saleta being who she is. Um, there, you know, the character of Choo Choo is a direct reference to Utna, um, though she is far superior. Well, I don't know if I'd call her superior Choo Choo, but she's definitely uh, more interesting, if only because she is willing to sock someone when they talk down to her. That was um, the best sequence. I was easily, like, hit her easily, a plus. top five. Well, right, done. that was the moment but, where I was uh, like, can this show be about Choo Choo, please? Like, yes. Absolutely. She is like change, yeah, she's changing perspective. Also, she, props to the person who, uh, when I was watching the show, there were comments on it. 
And props to that person who made me laugh my ass off and wrote, they call her Choo Choo because she hits like a freight train. And I was like, yes, oh, 100% you person, like whoever you are, listen to our podcast, please. And like, let yourself be known because that was hilarious. I love it. Oh, oh that's wonderful. But uh, just to, again, because Udna is one of my favorite shows and seeing it you know, brought up in this kind of half-assed way sort of irritated me a lot because it's like Gundam has done over the top and ridiculous before. Look at G Gundam. G Gundam is all about, you know, hyper emotional. Everything is like, you know, taken up to 11. Everything's a borderline caricature or an actual caricature of, you know, a person or nation or whatever. <laughs> and like Utna is heavily stylized. Like everything is... Uh, you know, it, it, whether something is real or not is always a bit of a question mark. And until you sort of understand the show's visual language, you'll be left kind of wondering how much of this is actually happening and how much of this is just visual metaphor. But this show, Gundam, is always extremely literal. More often than not, it is very much what you see is what is happening and what you get. Even when you get into like the weird psychic stuff that sometimes happens in the original show, it's usually represented pretty plainly, for lack of a better term. And when they try to do like this, the some of the stylization, they fall on their face. The best example of that being the sequence where they're in the meeting of all of the big business folks uh, who oh, decide get right. what gets wow. funded from their like smaller development departments. And everyone's like making these different pitches for like new sensors or weapons or bits or pieces or whatever. That doesn't really matter. It's just happening in the background. But then they pull this whole thing where they drag Saleta on stage supposedly to uh, like give an announcement as the new holder, the one who's engaged to Mirine and, you know, essentially the assumed heir to the most powerful position in this uh, whole organization. And like, they have this thing where like the lighting goes all stylistic and like parts of the stage are lifting up and it's doing all of this stuff. <laughs> and it's like, okay, in something like Utna, this would not be weird. I mean, it would be weird, but it would be within the style and pretense of the show that things are right, like yes you know, the character is feeling trapped yeah. and is on display yeah. and here's a visual metaphor mm -hmm. for that and be yeah being Gundam, very they literally built yeah a little tiny platform to her be isolated on and then sh shoved it into the sky and you're like who built this yeah it's exa exactly it's like you built this specifically for this nobody else was using any of this stuff you did you did you design this age solely to embarrass this child that you only just met <laughs> or is this something that you've always had, which bring, which begs even more questions? I, it's just that I feel like they either needed to be more subtle with their references or they needed to completely go ham on it and take it in a much more artistic and bold direction. I feel like kind of the weird halfway that they decided to do felt disappointing because it's like I'm either expecting them to be more clever with their references or more deliberate with their artistic choices, and it was neither of those things. That is not to say that other parts of the show couldn't have made up for that, but putting it, it being so deliberate in your reference makes it feel like you're going to be getting more of that. I feel like they were advertising something that was not delivered, but maybe that is my, that that's definitely my, subje uh, my subjective uh, opinion based on my experience watching the show and fan talk around it. So maybe I'm being a little unfair there, but I feel like they could have done that better. That seems pretty valid. Uh, my thoughts all flow together in a brick. So I want to kind of do mine later when I think you two have hashed out the parts that you hated the most. All right. In that case, I'll hop into probably one of my last ones, which is the, the dueling and betting system, which we've mentioned. Like there's a lot of not a lot, but there are duels in the show that are sort of a central piece. They lead into the most of the mech combat in this core. Um, and to me, it just kind of felt like a way to artificially increase the stakes, but only for the main character. Because I got this thing where it's like you can duel over anything big or, or small and every time the main character will, like something will come along that they have to like clear out of the way by dueling. For example, they change the rules so you can't make your company. Okay, duel them to change the rule back or whatever. And like every time they go, I want this, the, whatever, the rule changed back, which is a relatively minor thing, right? The guy changed the rule five minutes ago. And then the guy comes back with, okay, but if I win, like 
basically you all work for me and I get to own your, your mech. Like the stakes aren't ever fair and they're always against the main character and in a way that just feels ridiculous every time. But of course, you know, they're not like meta. They're not going to take away her mech. It's the only thing she has going. It's what the show's about. So you're just like artificially increasing the stakes for like, I don't know, for no good reason to be like, oh no, how could these, how could these jerks try to take away her mech? Like they're not going to take away her mech. She's going to win every time. Like, I don't know. It just seemed silly to me. I did not like the system. And like the idea of like agreeing to a duel and then having the outcome, like the, whatever, the, the rewards and penalties set after you've agreed to duel is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. There's an order of operations here that isn't, be, that isn't being followed. Right. Or like yeah, no, the no, fact that, oh, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, like the other thing you mentioned with like, um, is it like, you're like, I'm going to duel you. And they're like, cool. Also, it's a six on six fight now. And you can't back out. You're like, what? You know, like stuff like that, just over and over again. You're saying? No, just like, or the fact that uh, the to to highlight your point of she can't really ever lose is that they at one point deploy a very specific like anti Gundam field thing <laughs> oh that is specifically designed to deal with Gundams, and she is able to like break through it with you know a little bit of willpower. Doesn't really feel like she's ever on, like she's on the back foot for very long, and is like that gets you know that also gets deployed later on in a different scenario and doesn't work there. So maybe the technology is just not as good as people think. But either way, it just makes it feel like oh, maybe now she's going to have to be clever. She can't rely on the, you know, on the advantages of her mech. It's like, no, she just has to get the thing turned off so that now she can do even crazier things with her, you know, special magic mech. Yeah, I think that was actually leads into a really good point, which is like, you know, in many mecha show, like sort of the, the, the point of like the main character gets better by becoming better at using their machine, right? Like the whole point is a mech only has so many things, so many weapons or whatever, boosters, whatever you have. And they, by using them in clever and interesting ways, like that's how the fights go. That's even a but statement like, in the show explicitly. When they open up their duels, they say oh, yeah. like victory, victory is not uh, through the machine alone or through the operator alone, but through both of them. I don't remember the exact phrase, but it's a, it's a mantra of the show. Right. And instead like Suleta and Ariel work on like, like shown in my hero academia rules like if you're in trouble yell really loud and you'll get a new power it's like well that's not how mechs work like at least it shouldn't be like every time she's challenged or threatened she just pulls out a new ability and it's like well i'm not really watching her be good at piloting the mech am i mm-hmm. uh, when you compare like, to it point to where how... explicitly when 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 the antidote thing which is the name of this anti-gundam technology goes off she can barely even move the mech until she like breaks through the whatever. And then, you know, uses the mech, like it like goes back to being in Gundam mode. So like, it's kind of sad that she doesn't have any ability at all outside of being with Ariel, which I don't know, weakens her character, I think, but go ahead. No, it's all right. Just compare that to like the second mech that, uh, Gwell, uh, one of the other like primary antagonists for a little while, uh, fights in and that thing is like loaded with weird tricks and like got like grapple arms it's like grapple feet at one point it's just keeps <laughs> grapple feet. grappling hook <laughs> he just keeps throwing out like all of these ridiculous abilities and he is pushing himself to the absolute limit to try and keep up with this ridiculous gundam and i was like i'm rooting for this guy he's an absolute jerk but he is doing his damnedest and of course, he doesn't win, but like his story, honestly, I felt again. You want to talk about another main uh, main character candidate? His story is way more interesting than most of the others. He's like, you know, he's he's an unwanted son who's like failing his father and can't han- handle all these expectations put upon him. So he runs away and decides to like basically join the space navy to be a grunt, and then gets thrust back into the the, uh, main plot in an incredibly tragic way. But, like, it seems like, it it feels like they fall into the trap of the Gundams being so powerful that their pilots are never truly threatened. And it really does, yeah, it really does kind of make the stakes feel lackluster when it comes to our main characters, because the stakes around the rest of the show and sort of like we're talking like future of humanity in space versus the people of Earth kind of stuff 
and those stakes are very serious. So why are we focusing on duels between literal children? Yeah, and like hopefully we're going to grow to get there. But I think that might be like one of the biggest complaints is like you could say about the show that it does have the potential to eventually be really interesting. But wow, 12 episodes to maybe get to something interesting is a big ask. A hundred percent. And another thing <laughs> yeah. about the duels is that, that came up in like uh, pretty close to the end is that like on their face, the, you know, unless one of the participants is in like a Gundam and thus uh, produces a really one-sided victory, how often does the other guy get out unscathed? Uh, like in Utna, I don't remember if they ever like draw blood, but nobody's ever like dramatically injured. But you can mess up a mech pretty badly, mm-hmm. even if you're the the one that loses. Yeah, for I sure. Feel like a lot that of the mechs in this one had like like magic plot armor. Like whenever they got defeated, it was always very cleanly with every shot hitting everywhere but the cockpit. And you're like, well, thank goodness that conveniently happened again. Well, that's I, true. I, but what my point is that like you could, the even the winning mech could be basically destroyed. And then what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's I mean, true. I guess part of the, like... part of the school thing is that, you know, they're learning how to maintain and repair these things as well. So I suppose you can use the excuse that, you know, Oh, that's part of the whole system that they, they're also uh, doing that. But Ariel's a friggin' Magundam. Like that's secret technology to the point where they actually like sequester it away from the school at one point. So, like, how do does they, that... Though? Yeah, it, they do... it has to go back to Mercury for three weeks for repairs the one time it gets seriously damaged. Not yeah. Mercury, Which... was it? I mean, it went or to the... They sent it somewhere. I they went to, like they sent it to that other base that they, get to, that they go to at the very end. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that's Plant Quetta. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, now that I say that, like, other criticism out loud, I suppose the whole point with the, uh, the fact that they're, like, the combatants are typically the, like, aristocracy or whatever is basically means that they could just pull another mech out of their company's back pocket to fight the next one. That does seem to be the overriding way they do things. Which is what Goel does the first like three fights now that I think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do this whole thing where it's like, you you know, it's not just you fighting. It's you, you and whoever is backing you like that is it's all legal. Like whoever you've got backing you, if they can pull some stunt like that's within the rules. So, yeah, it is very much whoever has the deepest pockets like can win using that. I feel like it's a weird show. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I feel like at this point, unless there's any other specific like overall parts of the show that folks want to dig into for, you know, missed opportunities or negative things to say, uh, I think we really do need to talk about the end of the show and the tone shift that happens there. Um, All right. Really because, quick, I, I yeah, do the, have my piece. Yeah, Sue did have the, so. the brick. Yes, yeah, please. The, then uh, go yeah. go ahead. I didn't want to. I didn't want to lead into the rest without you getting a chance to give it your all. Yeah. So you know, I made sure to write notes this time. I think when when shows are bad, I tend to just like repeat what you guys say or have points which are very repetitive. But you know, with this one, I tr- I really tried to think hard because I don't know if you guys remember which of Mercury was actually my worst show of the year. And <laughs> get him. It was just, I was exhausted watching this show. I used to watch it in bursts. Like, I wouldn't watch, and then, like, my review would come around, and I'd have to watch, like, three in a row in order to make it to mine because I was that tired, like, thinking about watching it. So, you know, The Witch of Mercury tries a lot of things, right? Like, I had written in one of my write-ups that it feels like Frankenstein's monster because that's what it is. There's so many plot pieces that it's constructed out of, right? Like, yeah, we've got this this idea that there's duels and you know it's faux utna which actually like my blood pressure is rising hearing utna get brought up so much because this show touches its big toe into the pool that is utna and then immediately takes it out so it causes like a couple ripples i i almost feel it's an insult to to call it gundam boring utna to compare it to utna there is the vague veil of similarity with there being a quote-unquote mysterious student council, which really isn't that mysterious. They're just a bunch of punks who are the kids of the high-ranking members of the Benerit group, and they 
battle for a bride in like episodes one and two. That's the extent of it. Like, let's let's be real. It's not Utna, right? It's not even close to Utna. It stole that concept for all of 10 seconds. That's about it. But it starts off sort of that way. These rich kids run the school. They oversee the duels for large scale stakes for the winners. Like, to tell you the truth, I grew up with Yu-Gi-Oh. I could handle the show being this, okay? Like, fine, great. Like, there still would have been problems, right? It still would have been a little bit impractical. But if that was... Th if that was... The underbelly of the show with some drama with these characters fine that's slightly palatable instead there's also the plot about running a company which like tries to overtake the show until that drops out there's the mystery as to why suleta can pilot a gundam without like all the physical damage that comes with the gund format there's this long scale plot by suleta's mother who is our troped masked antagonist villain lady prospera She's playing some very long revenge plot game. There's the underprivileged Earthians who have like a vendetta against the Spacians. And like, where is that going? And like, why is Earth, despite its war-torn status, capable of producing two mechs that also very much look like Death Scythe from Gundam Wing? Like, there's political turmoil between all the companies in the Benerit group. So there's all this interpersonal drama between their kids. Like, all of this is there, half-baked into this this monstrous pie, and none of it has time to breathe, none of it has time to be expanded on. Yeah. It all just feels stitched together and desperately held in the air by, by spit and dreams, right? You, in, in doing this, you get invested in nothing and nobody. Like, Miarine's okay. I found her, like, somewhat grating, but she does, you know, kind of get there but it's it's still a struggle she does do stuff personally yeah she starts to do some things okay and like nika i got kind of invested in only because i'm projecting an interesting plot on her not because it's fully happened yet <laughs> that's um, true the mech battles are not interesting right like suleta's mech is full of full tilt cheatsy abilities as you guys have, have already gone over you know the duels are completely insipid to watch Right? It's it's just like, oh no, like Suleta's in danger. If she like closes her eyes and believes in her friends, she can overcome the force field that they've put in there or some such nonsense, right? Good, 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 great, great, great. All of it is pointless and the stakes are just just silly and dumb. You know, while I talked about the base of the school setting being interesting, it ends up being this like major great point grading point, I should say. It I hate that when the director of this show was told to make a Gundam more relatable to the current generation, because I don't know if you guys know the backstory, but the director of the show, when he was assigned to make a Gundam, was kind of looking into the demographic and realizing that kids today don't actually like Gundam. Like when you ask them like, hey, like Japanese kids, you're like, hey, you know, what, what do you think of Gundam? And they're like, oh yeah, that boring like mech show with the politics or something. I think like my parents used to watch it. And they were like, oh no, how do we like make Gundam for the new age of, of kids in the right demographic? So he was told, make the lead female pilot of a girl and make the show interesting to the youth of today. And that like instantaneously meant set it in a damn high school. Like, why is everything <laughs> set in a damn high school? Like, seriously, all of Japan just dies inside the minute they step out of high school. Like, that's that's it. Like, dump them all in there. Like, the point of this school never comes to fruition. Like, what do the pilots even do when they graduate from this school? Like, if you are someone with a piloting degree from this school, do you just get what? Recognition? Do you become a general? What do the management study kids do? We have all of, like, half a class before we're just thrown into this big, wide conflict and plant Quetta. You know, to lead into Dan's stuff, there's a huge tonal shift all over the place especially at the end like doormat suleta is counterbalanced by the extreme violence of the prologue episode like i i didn't even understand all the time it just felt like it was waffling back and forth like i really dislike this show and everything it's attempting to do on top of this i just have question upon question about the technology and the world building like elon who Brendan oh, yeah. brought up is a part of this group that can apparently like take I don't like poor homeless people and 
genetically alter them to look like Elon or something? Like, do we have the technology to do that? Is that a thing? And then when they don't perform, we just nuke them in a giant, like, furnace? And nobody says anything? Nobody bats an eye that this is happening? How much money do you people have to... Like, do they have a furnace another... on campus somewhere? Right! Like... Somewhere that they just burn people and everyone's like, oh, geez, smells like human again. Elon's house is really awkward. Like, don't, nobody goes there because of it. Like, to, to go into one of Brendan's points, how the hell does the Earth team have money to repair their mechs? Like, They are constantly saying them? they have no money, and yet... <laughs> They are the butt of the joke yeah. all the time. Where does any of that come from? Right? Like, what do the Earth kids gain from coming to this school? It's like kind of hinted when they call family at home, but like, not really. And my big great point, Gundams are coming out of the woodwork in <laughs> every which direction. Like, Elon's house brings out Faract, which they're like, oh goodness, this also is a gunned format. Like, if you rewind back to the prologue, Tons of people on a space base are murdered for working on this technology because it kills the pilot. On a and single kids, Gundam. <laughs> yes. And kids at school are whipping this stuff out. And they're just like, oh, the gun format is here. I mean, that's a no-no. But like, because we can't prove that it's a Gundam, I guess we're going to like look the other way. But then Lady Prospera says it's a Gundam. So we just still do nothing about it, supposedly because there's a long play to figure out why Suleta can pilot one without hurting herself. But it, it, what? Like, it's just that kind of stuff is coming out of nowhere. And we go from killing off a bunch of people for it to it just being a thing that's floating around. Sure. Like, this show is so poorly constructed like i do not understand the recognition it's getting at all and it genuinely pains me that like this is the quality that people are attracted to these days like this is what you're expecting with a gundam show there's supposed to be a level of like care and practicality and down-to-earthness you don't normally get out of a lot of other types of anime right it's a space opera and I'm not against changing some of the format. I'm a huge fan of G Gundam. I think it's fantastic. And I think Dan is full of it because everyone in Mexico has a sombrero and a giant mustache <laughs> and drinks tequila. Like, that is obviously how you would represent Mexico, tequila Gundam. But I don't understand the show at all. It's so bad and so poorly constructed and so a monstrous combination of things. It has no clue what it's doing. I am in awe, really and truly, as to what this show wants to achieve and where it's going. And hot damn, that sequence at the end of episode 12. Oh, just uh, yes. blew my let mind. Us, let, us, let us go there. For like, So obviously, spoilers, this is like literally post-credits, but go ahead. Yeah, so I'm just going to go with the fact that Suleta gets like Marvel- Cinematic Universe Bucky style, like whispered some secret words. So this <laughs> like stuttering marshmallow, yeah, like this stuttering marshmallow fluff of a character is told by her mother that hey, Plant Quetta is under attack. Like now is the time that you need to be serious business. Like yes, people are going to get hurt. I know you're scared to be in the mech and to like kill people. This is going to happen. And Suleta goes from this, this scene of, like, she's staring at her knees, she's physically shaking, right, to she appears to Miorine, who is desperately trying to get her father off of Plant Quetta because he gets shot defending her. There's a, there's a plot in play to assassinate him. He gets hit by a straight bullet that is aimed for Miorine. She's trying to get him out. Some guy runs in, tries to stop her and shoot her. So that appears with Ariel and in like one fell swoop takes the hand of Ariel and smashes this man into pancake batter, like bloody pancake batter. Then gets out of the mech and is like, whoop, 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 almost slid on this guy's gore. 
Miorine, I'm here to save you. And yeah, has like the laughing biggest smile on her <laughs> face. <laughs> and Miorine is horrified, right? She's just like, Rightfully who even so. are you? And what even is happening? Stay away from me. And then credits roll. Well, credits had already rolled. Yeah, yeah. you're right. <laughs> like episode end. Wow. Just. Yeah. So. Wow. I see a lot of people praising this ending. And I think what it convinces me that the school stuff was, if not a distraction, was stuff that they felt they had to get out of the way to get to what they consider the real plot, which is what we're supposed to see in the next half of the show. That's, again, this is me theory crafting. That's just my impressions of this, that it was all to lull you into this sense that, oh, you know, there's there's dark stuff happening in the background, aforementioned, like, genetically modified dude getting vaporized for failing to live up to whatever expectations they had of him. Uh, being a prime example of that and the, you know, the hints of much, you know, greater violence in uh, the prequel episode. But this was sort of to show, this was the, it was the most blunt force, no pun intended, way to show that the stakes have been raised, the gloves are coming off, and this is going to be, you know, this is going to be your much more violent, uh, more direct Gundam sort of, experience going forward um and i think that it is a very uh, it's a very effective scene like it is crafted magnificently in terms of just staging and setup and uh how it's delivered because it really comes as a huge shock the problem is is that i feel like it makes it feel like they've wasted our time with a lot of this setup that you could have carved six episodes out of these 12 and gotten us to this same point with as a, and that twist would have been just as effective. And that's where I feel like it falls down. Not that the twist is bad or that it doesn't work, but that it is the stuff preceding it makes it feel makes it feel like that stuff has become unnecessary that it was all just you know fluff and window dressing uh to distract us from where they were really going and they feel oh so clever about it i'm gonna repeat what i said in episode 12 if you want to fire a chekhov's gun you gotta load the gun <laughs> like where was there any hint that suleta has this in her like as a baby she kills a bunch of guys because she doesn't know what she's doing and she bonds with lafreeth which ends up being the base for ariel I, I don't, there was no other instance of her having any sort of killer instinct or showing this side of herself. And I agree with Dan that the, the shot is beautifully laid out. It's very effective. My jaw did hit the floor, but not for the reasons they want it to. I was just like, where, where does this even come from? You just wanted something in there to bait people for season two i can i can see that i mean it's extremely effective bait but yeah it feels like that nonetheless i do agree that i won't say it came out of a complete left field but it could have been either foreshadowed or hinted at in a much more effective way or i don't know i feel like they 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 wanted they wanted that twist so bad that they were terrified of the idea of foreshadowing it. Yeah, like the I show's guess, in service to so. the twist and not the other way around, which, yeah, too bad. Makes me wonder, like, how much of that is, like, they're going to, like, play off as Selena not firing on all cylinders, uh, like, during her, like, heightened, well, quote, heightened mental state of, like, trying to find me arena. And thus, like, wasn't all there at the moment. I just sort of and it's going so to, like, focused. freak out retroactively. Mm. Yeah, like, so focused on solving problems that she wasn't thinking about, like, the fact that doing that was causing someone to die. Maybe. Maybe. But at the same time, she did, like, step in someone's guts. And, no, that's uh, the part that I'm referring to. Yeah, it's just... It's like, not responding to that part of the situation appropriately. I mean, maybe I feel like they needed to like if that if that was the way that they were going to play her as someone who either because of, you know, either because of genetics or because of uh, her upbringing 
is, you know, has these disassociative moments or doesn't parse reality in the same way, I feel like they could have uh, done a much better job of representing that and made this feel less out of left field than just by making her a stuttering buffoon the rest of the time. Like, it's True. obvious that she has, you know, unresolved, uh, you know, under unresolved uh, conflicts and the feelings about her mother and other things from like little snippets that we see and how she, you know, her, she, she reacts emotion, very emotionally to things that, you know, as, as Scott pointed out, would be simple misunderstandings or that she never speaks up for herself or really asks for clarification for most of the show because she's so socially awkward. But I feel like if it were going to be something like this, it needed to be handled with more care rather than making her seem again like this, like, you know, sensitive, innocent, bumbling goof. Only to turn her around and, ha and only to turn her around and have her be, you know, a murder machine. And if we were going to drag the plot into war torn, now we're having a big bloody conflict. Why did we start the show with who wants to wear the magic white holder suit and marry me arena? <laughs> like, guys, those are some extreme opposite ends. Like it felt like that was in play just so that it can be called upon what later to be like, you're still my fiance, technically, if we were students at this school. Like, I don't even see how we could backtrack to a school setting at this point. Yeah, like the only, I don't know, I still feel like they might go back. Or like the only, it's possible the only other outcome will be like if, um, what's his face? If 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 Mirini's father dies, I mean, that means Soweta owns the Benerit group now, right? Because like she's or the Mirina current holder. I don't know well, exactly no, like, how that's so what is work. so what is in charge and, and Mirina is the bride. I mean, effectively Mirina is in charge, right? Like so is not going to stand in the way. <laughs> but like that could be where we're going with this. Like that might have been the only purpose of it. But it's again, why waste eleven episodes on it if the only tangible outcome was going to be that Mirina is in charge of space against Earth or whatever it's going to be. Well, but there's other conglomerates too that have been alluded to but never named. That's true. The Benner Group is one of one of many giant conglomerates, I suppose. Fair, yeah. Which only raises further questions. <laughs> Indeed. I really do feel like at the end of the day, the biggest flaw of this show is that it is it is like Sue like Sue mentioned, it's trying to do so many things that it feels like most of them aren't done well, and that it's 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 desperate to hit that twist. It's desperate to hit that final jaw drop moment that it sacrifices sense and style and coherency to make sure that that moment is as big as possible. And to a degree, I would argue that they kind of succeeded because in spite of me having very, very mixed feelings about this show, I am now absolutely going to see how the back half plays out, if only to see if they managed to stick the landing of this ridiculous, uh, you know, stunt that they pulled. So... I can't, again, I can't say it was a pleasant experience, but it was an engaging one by the end. It's just that it took way too much pushing my way through the rest of it to get there for me to really recommend it or anything. There's a saying in film, I think, which is that no scene is worth a line and no film is worth a scene. Uh, so I'm... I'm thinking about how that applies here. That does seem to yeah, be a good way of putting it. We'll see if it bears out, I guess. Yeah. But I think if you didn't take this plunge, I wouldn't recommend you do it. Yeah, yeah like right I, now, if, if you haven't, haven't watched Gundam, I would certainly take a, a wait and see approach until the second half comes out, because it could be that you're completely wasting your time. I will agree. It uh, It's really going to depend on how this fits into the broader overall series. Maybe it's just going to be a weak start to an otherwise really compelling story. Maybe it's just going to be, you know, the first stumbles on something that falls flat on its face at the end. But I think that we are really going to have to wait and see whether we're the ones to review that second season. We'll see what its competition is when that time comes. Yeah, true. Uh, well, 
I'm sorry that we couldn't be more positive about this. You know, the show does have some good elements and is trying to do some interesting things. But yeah, there's a lot of difficulty just getting through all of the nonsense to reach those interesting bits. If you had a better experience with it, then I hope you enjoyed the second season. We'll see what comes out around the same time and whether or not we will continue the rolling review of it. Generally, we try to review complete series but you know this one left a pretty bad taste in our mouth so it's gonna come down to group consensus when that time comes yeah yeah all right well thanks for hanging out with us feel free to drop us your comments about witcher mercury and we'd love to hear from you guys and we will see you next time have a good one bye